0: Welcome back to the podcast. This week's guest is Craig Burrell. Back in April, I'd seen Craig's band Burrell or Biscuit supporting the Paddingtons, and after the, that performance, decided that I wanted to speak to him for the podcast. We spoke about Craig's career, which involved uh, playing guitar in the Valkyries and playing bass in the Scarlatinas. Uh, as well as us, Craig as the co founder of Fanger Records where he helps to produce Twins Town. We spoke about all this plus um a taxi ride across London with Carol Barat and many more stories. I hope you all enjoy this podcast and I'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks. Craig Barrow, Barrel in the Baskets, Barrel or Barrel or, or Barrel. Aye, we start off at the start, early life, growing up, what was life like for you, what was it like for a young Craig?
1: Uh, Was the fucking bad man, I had a fucking good childhood, whatever, Uh, but when I was fucking just fucking small village, usual shit, like, went to school. Hated it. Went to high school, hated it. Done all right, but decided to leave. My uncle got my guitar. Uh, it was actually my granddad's guitar, and uh, my uncle got it set up for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his mates, he's called Dave, he plays with, like, Steve Agnew and that, were like, been about to for years. Their dad's in Nazareth and that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh, a guy called Dougie, and he does sound at festivals and stuff. And it's kind of like, I used to, I grew up from a young age. Like, when I was at primary school and that, I was like, I would like... I nicked what's the story of Morning Glory for one of my mum's mates us like they're drinking and that. I was there as a young boy, mm-hmm. playing me fucking an next and all that stuff. And I came at fair, fairly early age, basically, I started getting into that kind of music. And then I opened the doors, so right? Your Bob Dylan, your Neil Young's, your Sex Pistols, your Clash. For quite a young age, then I got the guitar. So it was that it was kind of, that was my path. I never really followed the trends that was going on, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, it was a young age. And then it was weird because as I got older, I kind of came back in fashion, the Stone became popular in that game. I was 34 in three days. So when I was at school, it was that kind of thing when the 2000s kind of indie Britpop kind of scene started to come back, you know? So already kind of was ahead of the cover of that. I kind of knew what I was doing. It was quite an exciting time. And I think there's not... 90s were brilliant, but I was too young to appreciate it. The early 2000s started off great. And I think for the past 10 years, though, music has been pretty shit.
0: Yeah, it's been about kind of samey, hasn't it? Everything's been quite... Aye! I mean, obviously, obviously, I mean, a big theme of the, the podcast has been Levertine's era, Levertine's Paddington, stuff like that. Obviously, the stroke's kind of kicked that off, and then all, you go to all these bands, but aye, it's kind of died away again, and we're kind of waiting for something else to kick off, aren't we?
1: So, a funny story for you. It's like circles climbing. I moved to London when I was 18 mm-hmm. I got sacked to start working at Standard Life Bank And it was still like It was £10 free bar At the ballroom in Dunfermline On Wednesday, Thursday night I was there at a the £10 free bar fuck you, Stephen Lost the job at the bank Didn't get any other fuck Do you know what I mean? Got a job at Sky Got sacked for a bad reference So like, fuck it when he moved to London I Moved to London at 18 and one of the first people I met Down there Was Carl Barrett Right And he came to Under his wing he used to call me Scotch Bonnet. And I knew him. He used to run a night called, the, uh, at the hideaway called The Gaslight, with a guy called Kieran Leonard. And I convinced him to do like a night at the pub that I was working. And then that was, that was me, mate. That was like, I looked at these guys and I thought, you guys are just fucking like me and you, was eh? that took away that illusion of, it's a fucking higher reach that you can never get to, eh? And I realised, we're just the fucking same people, eh? Yeah. And it's like, Carl was producing an EP for a guy called Kieran Leonard. He's now called St. Leonard. Uh, I think he's based in Berlin now. Right. We still in touch. I uh, think Carl Barrett, I fucking, I didn't even know what I fucking, well, I didn't know what I was asking me to go find. He was in a taxi on the way, like the night before. And he'd left a notebook in the taxi and it was fully all the Dirty Pretty Things lyrics, late Libertines lyrics and whatever. And he's obviously, he was fucked. Left in a fucking taxi and asked me to go to the taxi office to check it was there. And I found it, eh? And just being like young and innocent and just excited in the moment, I didn't even bother really fucking through or having a fucking good readers. I found it for you, but do you know what I mean? It was like, but I moved back to Scotland a few years after that. If you look, if you go on YouTube, uh, you'll see Carl Barrett played the Carnegie Holland on Fernland.
0: Right?
1: Him and the Dirty Pretty Strings, which was like a quartet of violins and fucking violas backing up. Mm-hmm. And a couple of boys for a couple of other boys for uh, Drew McConnell was there, another couple of the boys for the band. And uh, that was when I was like 21. I came back and they didn't believe me. Eh? I was like, I've been down to London, I've met Carl Barrett and that. Uh, he's fucking, he's sometimes just <laughs> sitting up walking at the pub and he's been up drinking too late, fucking sniffing at the table and that. Okay, and all that kind of shit. And people looking at me like, all right, you're talking shit. He's like, i fucking book him a gig in Dunfermline. And I did. Everyone was shocked, eh? And, yeah, and then, so but man. I, he, he, and he played the gig. Uh, his tour manager at the time was a guy called Mario. He took me down to the death of disco and everything. I mm-hmm. met McGee. Like, that was fucking, fucking years ago, man. Eh? But it's weird. Like, London opened my eyes. Eh? That's what kind of really kicked it off to go, I'm going to do music. So, how long have you long been
0: living then? A couple
1: of years? Uh, well, I went back then. So, after everything I was talking about, I ended up coming back up the road. And I joined, that's when the Valkyries. Uh-huh. that's when I first joined Ben and this is the thing I was sh- love music and I had a fucking passion for it but I- I'm quite shite at guitar Yeah, I'm quite shite at bass but what I, what I found is because Valkyries is very influenced by like BGM Ken Brian Jones do Massacre uh-huh. and that kind of psych scene where it's all about one-liners loads of reverb and fucking ravenets and that and it's all about the sound that you get and creating melodies and counter melodies so I was pl- playing as a guitarist. I was never a shredder or I couldn't just jam along with people. But I could somebody played three chords and was singing a melody line. I learned how to write a guitar riff, which was simple but was like complimentary to the song behind it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And then we we moved to London as a band. Uh, we started squatting. We, we had a warehouse and we were living in this warehouse. It was like a I had a mattress one side of the room. Scott, the singer, he had a mattress the other side of the room. And it was basically a rehearsal room that we were fucking living in. We we're paying £500 a month for it in Manor House. And then it was just it was just an absolute party all the time. It was brilliant. Right. Scott was older, So he enjoyed it for the first few months, but he was getting a bit sick of it because he was kind of my age, but I am now. Mm-hmm. And I was in my early 20s still. So it was like, do you know what I mean? We we're just kind of on different pages, eh? But we done we done well, man, and I loved I loved it, and I learned a lot from being in that band, I really did. But it was it's took me all these years to think I was in the wrong job, eh? right? Do you know what so, I mean?
0: Like, sorry. How long how long did the Valkyries go for then? Because I'd now again I'd never really heard the uh, the Valkyries, but I was listening to them last night at work, and um, I again really good man. I, I thought it was really well produced. And a, a right good sound, man. It was you could listen to the album right through without any,
1: any thriller in it. Ah, it's kind of it's, it's kind of it's like kind of yes, kind of a vibe, but BGM kind of this, the funny thing about it is the singer hero of the song Scott. He doesn't smoke weed, he doesn't take drugs now, drinks occasionally, but he's quite drink a cup of tea. 8 o'clock at night, do you know what I mean? Right. Kind of guy, yeah, <laughs> but you'd think he'd be like in his fucking psychedelic that, but wasn't he? Yeah, um, but he's a great songwriter. We've actually it's still kind of going. Um, he lives in Edinburgh now, he ended up going to jail for <laughs> we <were in> London because <laughs> he bought the bass player, right? Uh, long story, but he bought the bass player, bottle champagne, bottle champagne was still full, yeah. And- <laughs> cracked him across the fucking chin of it. The bottle didn't they fucking break, but he's fucking, the boy's jawed it there. He was American, so he was trying to sue him and all that shit, but right, you saw. And uh, I was in the ambulance when I'm going to the hospital, and Scott phoned me, he goes, Is he alright? Is he alright? I was nah, really, his face is quite fucked, eh? And he goes, Pass him on the phone to him. So I passed the phone over and said, I want to come to the fucking hospital and finish your job, you can't believe I was like, he's gonna be fucking doing that. that, man. He's fucking, he lost it, eh? And that's why he kind of stays sober now, he's one of those people who's, it's not because he's a bad man, he's just, uh, Everyone struggles with emotions and everyone gets another raise, eh? like some yeah, people yeah. get sad and some people get angry. And it was tough because we were living in squats and it was fucking, things were quite going quite well for the band. And uh, we were playing around Camden and we met a few people, all that kind of thing, kind of on the fringes of the scene down there. But life was a struggle, you split up these bird, and I think it's just that's the problem with tension and that's the beauty of music. Sometimes you've got that fucking fire and anger in you, you need to get it out somewhere, eh? Mm-hmm. And it's no hit your know, fucking pal with a bottle of fucking champagne in the bus. Do you know what I mean? He got sent doing two and a half years on his fucking birthday, man. Eh? I think it was his 33rd or 34th birthday. He got sent down. Happy birthday, two and a half years, mate. So that put an end to that for a while. Right. Aye, we still talk. Uh we recorded an EP just in just good two years ago. And then it was locked in. And that's my concentrated on myself. But he sent me all these stems, and uh, I'm in the process of basically mixing in. The new EP. So hopefully that'll go out by the end of the year too. Because right. I've always got fondness for the Valkyries because it's where I learnt my craft So I owe quite a lot to Scott as well as a person because he's the one that kind of, elite love of the shit of guitar, you can see what he's trying to do. And he, do you know what I mean? He, he gave me that like time to kind of pick it up and get yeah. me on sound of like
0: yeah. it. So do you, do you think of him as like a kind of a, men,
1: a mentor to some extent? No, because he's a fucking angry bastard <laughs> <laughs> it's um, but it's I think kind of tough love kind of thing when it's a you hit a bottom wrong note in that you're only playing a few notes wrong, you, he's the kind of like, stop song what the fuck you fucking do it blah 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 and he's like like Hitler eh? <laughs> but in the best way but do you know what I mean but like but well, there's best pals will always be pals and it's it's one of those ones where it's like I but I get it more now because I'm in his position right at the time, I just seen it's harsh, but I get what he's because he's one of those people who's got vision and he knows how he wants it to be. And I get it you now. Like, when you're listening to people, then, and if like they stop playing at the wrong point, I'll be like, you didn't stop there. He's like, I have, it's kind of got a greater respect for him now uh-huh. than I did then Because understand the stress, when you've got four or five riots in a band around you, and you're worried about what they've been drinking, if they fucking slept the night before they fucking gig, and if they're going to hold it together, and they're going to do your songs justice. I can understand why he got quite right here. Eh? Whereas, when I was on another foot, I was like, sure "Look, man, it'll be sound. But So I've seen it from both sides, eh? I think that's quite an important thing to learn, too. You've got to see it from all angles, eh?
0: Yeah. So, what happened then with Scarlatinas? How did that come about?
1: So, Bigby, the guy that joined us for Parting Punks at the end, uh-huh, an acoustic. When I moved back to Edinburgh the first time, with the Valkyries, he was my flatmate. Right. He used to live with the Paddington's boys down in Hull. Long and short of it, is our mutual pals we used to be in a band called The Dash, mm-hmm. who we were based in London, who I met through Bigby. And the Dash split up. I was working in a pub in Camden, and the guitarist came in said they're starting a new band called Scarletinas and he needed a bass player. So that's how that came about. Again, and this is, I've got them to thank for this, I got sacked for that band about a month before playing Glastonbury, for being an absolute riot, and it destroyed me,
2: right.
1: I was like, fuck, and that gave me that point to prove, and again, I was in the wrong job, because I'm not a bass player, I'm shite, I'm not a guitarist, I'm shite, but I knew I'd, I could do something. And that leads on to the whole label and the production side of thing and what we're trying to do and about having belief in other people. So it's like if you're a footballer, I don't like football, right? But it's like, a good example of it is a Pelly playing and goals. He'd be shite, eh? But mm-hmm. if you had him as a fucking striker, he's one of the best players in the fucking world, eh? I think that's it. It's about knowing, knowing your fucking craft and knowing where you are it and all working together. And that's where you create great, great music. You have to take the egos out of it, though, as well. It's like... Uh, it's easy to say as a front man but it's like, but that's what I should have been doing. But I'm not a singer, I, I can't yeah. that either. Like, the job, you should well, the what I mean? you, you, do you, what
0: definitely you want to got, do. definitely got stage presence, That that's kind of one yeah. of the things that I've seen the other night. Um, You knew you were doing up on stage and you controlled the crowd and stuff like that, so uh, that's definitely what you were meant to do.
1: Aye, well, when I played bass they were all jumping about like maniacs and I always felt uncomfortable and I always used to be like, shy before gigs and never really know what I was doing. Like the bass player that played with us, Chase, he was a drummer for Dove. We mm-hmm. practiced for one hour before the gig and he's one of those cunts you can sing, play guitar, play bass, play anything, write tunes, play with the tunes. Do you know what I mean? One of those people you hate until you need them. <laughs> and he just picks it up like that. Eh? And he wasn't shy, he wasn't bored. He's like, we'll just wing it, it'll be cool. And it was, it was perfect. Again, it's the same it's the same point, now. Eh? I, I knew I love music and I knew I was going to do something in it. But it took me years to realise I'll just start trying to I learn how to sing mate, then you'll be alright.
0: Yeah, so so when that all kind of fell apart then with the Scarlatinas, did you, you took a bit of time then? Is that when you started kind of doing some production work and the record label came about Then about then as well?
1: Aye, so Skeletinas, It was like a flying start. First gig was supporting Sister Ray, and I was a guy there from a record label. who's was interested to sing us. Mark Piemont, who you've done an interview with. Yeah, right. he, he was there the first gig. Second gig we done was a TV advert for Magnus. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it was like it got premiered at the Euros. Then it was in England. That mm-hmm. was the first. That was our second gig, and it was uh, Jake Scott. Ridley Scott's son, who directed it. Right. We are covering I'm Free by the Rolling Stones. So, so far, my claim to fame is I've paid for one of Keith Richards' cigarettes through Royal, is it? One of his spags is because of fucking me. Dinner like, Magda's TV editor, eh? We got paid mm. about 300 quads or whatever, eh? Which is not much, but it was great. That was the second gig. And then we went on the UK tour with the Rifles, supporting them. Uh-huh. Eh? Which was brilliant. The uh, biggest one was probably Coco. Following that, we went to around Germany with a band called The Gravel Tones. Came back for that, and I just enjoyed the party, yeah. I enjoyed everything apart from the fucking music. And, like, I'd be late for rehearsals, turn up, smash, not. But and this is what I mean. I still didn't quite get, I would be the same. I would have sacked myself. they like, uh-huh. we've got in a month. This guy's fucking struggling to play. But, like, the, the drummer, he was, he played with Cav. I don't know if you know Cav, who's a, uh, He's part of the creation lot, he's uh, Cav Blaggers, he who's in Black Grape, He now lives in L.A. Really? And the drummer, he was the drummer for them. Mark, obviously, was in the Dash. Dan's girlfriend is in Kitty, Daisy and Lewis, who do really well in there. Ah, they had a big see, cover man. on Cantique. Aye. And uh, he also done guitar for Finley Quay. So like, they were all like great musicians uh, And I was like the fucking chancellor in the fucking band, and they obviously got the end of the tether once before Glastonbury basically told me to bolt. eh? I was heartbroken, man, just fucking started getting on it even more than that, and it was like a big kick in the face because it was like everything was going up. But it was my own fault, eh? And that's the cusp of when I went into production and fucking got the laptop out, got garage Band, started recording, made a lot of mistakes. Some stuff that was great, some stuff that was fucking brutal. But to hear it back and be able to analyze your own playing. Uh-huh. The do that. They used to rehearse for three hours, just jam a song for half an hour, mm-hmm. listen back, the best bit out it and songs out it. And that's when the mind started going and going, How to do this? Can you shorten this? Can you make that four bars instead of eight bars? It's a bit boring. Why is that seven minutes? It should be. can you what I mean? Yeah. And then I started finding my feet and going, I can't really sing that. If you had. Double track it, triple track it, do it higher, lower, and do your wee ad libs and stuff. You can create something quite interesting, and you just need a wee lead line, but no all way through. It's that dynamic, a fuller song, and it all started clicking into place because oh, I just what could do, and that's where it all started from.
0: So, so what, um, what sort of bands have you been producing
1: for so far? Uh, Twinstown, right? Who are from? Don't he's doing wolves. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This is the hang.
0: Mm-hmm. I had to see at the gig the other night. I've um, seen, I know, I noticed the, the red hair, and I thought, I know him. And I've I seen them, uh, I've seen Will support Kyle Faulkner and Paisley about five years ago. And I was with my pal, and my pal's no into music, and he was, he was besotted with these two twins. He's like, oh, that's his mental two guys that look the same in a band. So I've kind of followed them um, since. and. Um, it was only last month I seen a, a video of them on a state of mind on YouTube, and it was like the helmets
1: minute.
0: on, I, <laughs> And I thought that I wasn't I wasn't too sure of them, but they were obviously fucking out there, not and smashed. Um, and the sound the sound didn't sound brilliant on like the songs didn't sound that brilliant. I didn't hang. And then see listening to them on Spotify the last couple of weeks. See the production on that. It's night and day, man. It's brilliant. I think the music's excellent. Um, so, they, they're they going to listen to this. this yeah.
1: They're going to listen to this, so I need to choose these words carefully because they're fucking paranoid as a French, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is the twins, the same problem I had, is they write great songs. And they're great songwriters, but they're twins and there's a lot of fucking energy between them. And they, 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 they try too hard and they get fucking disillusioned by the fact things aren't going well and they get angry and they fall out and they fucking blame the band around them really? and that's the only fucking problem that's the only thing because they played that uh, Leroy day in PJ's the day after Paddington's mm-hmm. and it was only half the band end up playing and they were fucking brilliant it's like get them on their day they're fucking class but it's just no, it's no when to hold back eh? it's like when do you have half a bottle of Buckfast before you go on stage or when do you drink two bottles of Buckfast stay up on night have a fault beforehand thinking you're know, the fucking next oasis and they wonder why the gig went and shit. It's that fucking balance, eh? But they've got that belief in the drive, man, and they're great, they're honestly. The production say uh, they've done that at Teapot Studios up in Dundee. Right. That album. They've been sitting on it for about a year. Um, we went to release it through the label Fanger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We recorded a couple songs for them. One of them, so Fanger Records is named after. A guy called Callum Patterson, who was in a band called Quarter Chubs. Uh-huh. They're also on the Fanger label. He he took his own life uh, three years ago now. Really? It was just his two-year anniversary a couple of months back. Sorry, last June. And um, he had wrote a song called "The Broken Song. That's and good. one of the first songs we recorded at Fanger, we made in the recording was, it was a cover of that, and the song starts with the only recording we've got him doing it, which is basically like on an iPhone message like like this, when he's done a wee video and sang along, and we've got him introducing the song, and then Twins Town cover it, and then it ends with him coming out of the song. Eh? And it's done really well. Um, the guy that helps in the new PR, Danny Watson, uh, Death Disco, the auction of me and all that, so, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. He's, he's an absolute hero. He's the one that's pushed me as well to keep going, keep going. And, like, he gives you that belief. Right. And the belief you gave me and what I'm trying to do is what I'm trying to pass on to others, you know? And that's, sorry, I'm babbling, but this is how it all kind of connects. And that's what we're trying to do. That's how scenes are created. Eh? That's how you get good music is when you try and get the best out of people when you like, if you work as a team, eh? yeah. You know what I mean, because there's so many bands all striving for the same thing and they're all trying to outdo each other. See, so if you just all support each other and go the same way, and like, that's how scenes are created. Eh? Yeah. I'll support you tomorrow. There's no ego about it. And then next week, you'll support me. There's no about Just kind of that kind of fucking push. See, you mm-hmm. start sharing fans, sharing fucking backlines, believing in each other, sharing each other's gigs, sharing each other's events, and all going to support each other. That's when people start to take notice of what you're doing. And people can see the belief you have in each other, and it builds from there. And I think that's one of the big problems, is people are too competitive about it. It's like, we're only a football team. There is no gold medal. We're all trying the same fucking things. If we're all getting the fucking same page and we're all fucking backing each other up, we're all sharing each other's success, rebuilding something, and people go, Fife, there's something on there. There's all these bands, do you know what I mean? And that's all the label is. There's no, that's all it is. We don't offer anything other than it's like, it's a community. It's a community thing. It's a community spirit. Keep the dream alive. Help each other out. How can we help you? How can you help us? That's, That's what I'm saying about. That comment earlier about me and top of about world domination. We went, Let's book three gigs in three cities that's not here and to do a co cool headliner and get a couple of local bands to support. So we went, Right, let's do Dundee, let's do Perth, let's go to Aberdeen. Uh-huh. I can get us a gig in Aberdeen, I can get us a gig in Perth. Do you know what I And Dundee's like, Aye, I do. I was like, Cool. So we'll do it. And we'll do that in the middle of August. Do you know what I mean? And just like simple things like that, Thought, but well, that's what you have to be doing. Mm-hmm. Small time bands get stuck playing the same venue and they think they're fucking making it because they get 200 people at their hometown venue but they go elsewhere they're fucked in and that's what I'm trying to say like see if we all stick with fucking together and we all go to each other's gigs we all support each other people will start to notice and I think it's slowly starting to happen and I think people are starting to slowly understand because I'm passionate about it and I do get a bit as well it's only because I believe man. and there's like comments like yourself there's not a couple of people that message to say they love the gig and it's people like yourself, like you're the driving factor in this. Because of doing this, is that push you left for myself, for the band, for Dov, for fivin around, going maybe it is worthwhile. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's all we want to try and do is we want to build on that man and every avenue that we can and help each other out. Eh?
0: Obviously, with the, the record, the production, the record label, would you ever venture into management? Would, would you? Like, so- like that? Yeah, because obviously it's because that relationship with like Danny Watson, people like that, that's obviously a driving factor, maybe.
1: Aye, because that's that's now expanded to like working with a Creation Dream Machine, uh, mm. guy called Texas Bob, and a frontal thing for a number of television personalities. Uh huh. That's the original part-time punk it. He was supporting us when he played for Pat Lyons. He does the booking for McGee at Def Disco and that now. Uh, he's involved with the family. He's managed a band called Heads Up Display. You know <laughs> what is that? Some mad kind of sight, then heel spins. <laughs> 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 Don't feel it, mate. Just <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, been, um, right, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful wee flat. I've got, I basically used to live in the studio, but we uh, gave the studio up. We tangent here uh, because it was £800 a month of rent and it was like a bit off more than I can chew. But it goes back to what you're saying about the management kind of thing. What i realised is I was getting angry because I was giving my time to do things for other people and getting pissed off. I'm like, I've got my own thing to do. So I'm actually taking a little bit of a step back. And you're right, I will go into all that kind of things, but I've still got boxes to tick for myself before I can give the bands around me the time that I'm right. giving one, you know? So when it first started, I'd never done a gig. I was recording in the house, recorded everything, put a few singles out the help with Danny's, like, keep going, keep going. It was all great. Then we started jamming and getting gigs, bands were being fucking, like, themselves, and, like, not meaning it, but, like, they couldn't see what I was trying to do for them and, like, how much help I was trying to give them, and I wasn't seeing to getting it back. So I kind of took a bit of a huff, and were like, ah, fuck yous, fuck yous. It was just a passion. And now what I'm doing is for the next couple of years, we're still up just everything's still continuing, but I'm focusing on what I'm doing for the next couple of years and giving everything I've got to this. Mm-hmm. But promoting Fanger Records, everyone involved, it's like being a mascot for the label. That's what I've told all the other bands involved. It's just be a mascot for the label, man. We're, like, we're all helping each other in that, but it's like we need to just get out there do as much as we possibly can and support each other. Like I don't know if you noticed at the gig, two or three songs for the end, had a wee mini rant, and they going, I was naked here when fucking was on to start with and yeah. that scene, excuse me when the bill make sure you're here early to see them. Just like, we just, that kind of wee bit where you're like, making sure that like, you're pointing out how great the bands are around you.
0: Yeah, well that's it, yes. because there was there was guys that just came in just for the Paddingtons and I, I was speaking to a guy at the end and he'd just come in, on, he'd only come in on to see them and I was like, you oh, must two cracking bands. And um, I'd, I mean, and I only come in. I come in halfway through Dove, so I didn't even see the full set. But for what I seen, I wished I had been there for the start because they were man. They
1: were really impressive. Uh, Bruce Springsteen man. Aye, okay. It's the obvious thing, and it's like, but uh, it's, he's like his voice is. He's incredible. And he's such a nice guy as well. Eh? It's the first time we've played together. Eh? He's not involved with Fangirl, but this is said after that one gig, Connected like let's keep pushing, man. Eh? And that's all I try to do. But as I say, the production and the management can of the same things. I'll do that, but I still think I need to push myself for a couple of years, mm-hmm. build up what I can for myself. And then once it's peaked, I want to take it as high as I can, but once it's peaked at that level, everything that am building up, all the networking I'm doing now, obviously that's all going to be valuable. And then five years' time, six years' time, when I'm fucking singing on the fucking door, fucking still working in fucking pubs and fucking... Better about fucking never getting past sporting pardons at broadcast. I'll see a band that's twenty year old and go, then not do that! then do that! This is what you should do." That gig shite. Fuck him off. I'll get put you in touch with him. Speak to fucking. We'll get you on this fucking Time for Heroes podcast. He'll put you in the fucking right direction. He'll tell you if you're good or if you your shite. Fucking listen to him. You see, Ken. getting what I mean? Just like that guidance and always come like a teacher mm-hmm. and make sure that learn from my mistakes and whatever. I try and do that already. But there comes a point in your life where you, you try and help people and but you have to help yourself before you can help others sometimes.
0: That's you know? that is worth awesome. I
1: I'm still at a stage where I need before I can help others. Like I'm all about giving and loving, but I still I'm a bit I'm a bit fucking on myself still. Eh? I've still yeah. got things I have to do for so me.
0: You still got a passion for for creating your own stuff as well.
1: Oh I I have to be it's the only thing worth living for man. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, people do it for the wrong reasons. People just do it they think it's cute cool being a fucking band, and they're like, like, which is fair enough, but like, it's when people have got a real passion for it and they love music, and that's what they want to fucking do. So like people get disillusioned thinking you're going to make, you become a rock star and make loads of money with it. Chance of that happening, everyone knows it's fucking very, very small. However, it doesn't mean you can't be an p- important part of a music community and build something that people can use and have a hub where people rehearse, people record, and it's like a, do you know what I mean? It's like a self-sufficient kind of pool of bands that are all doing it for the right reasons who fucking try and push each other up. And I think to get to that point, to me, is a success. It's where you're doing something that people care about and people want to know about, and you're selling a little bit of merch, you're supporting each other's fucking gigs, and you're doing, putting recordings out, getting a little bit of radio play, getting some decent support slots, a few little festivals or whatever, and nobody has to put their hand in the pocket. It's self-sufficient. That's my goal for the next couple of years. is to get to that point, if you doesn't matter if you've got a hundred in your bank. You can still afford to go to so You can still get into London for your gig. But you're not making any money, but it's no costing anything. And the merch will cover your next venture. And treat it like a business, in that sense. But mm-hmm. still, do what you want. But do you know what I mean? You, you don't have to worry about how long we we'll to go to London for that gig next week. Well, we sell quite t T-shirt last time. That's in the paper towel. We use that for train tickets. Just like that, little kind of like savvy, which is basic kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's like you bang bank few 50 quid and they fucking, what, they are 10 pound each and a fucking couple of shots. Nah, what's the fucking point, man? Just put a 50 quid in a fucking pot. Can you know what I mean? It's actually a fucking train fair through Edinburgh for your next gig. Kind of like kind of that vibe. Mm-hmm. That's what it's took a lot of years to click. It's like, even if you are skint, if you're skint, a no fucking going to make a big difference. Eh? Just put in a fucking pot. Next thing you get off for of the gig, you can go out and get the train fair out of that. That's, that's all I'm trying to do, man. Eh? I think people are getting it.
0: Yeah, well, that's. it, I mean, I definitely get the vibe for for that gig. Obviously, how important do you think it is having guys like Callum putting on these gigs and all that, organising these guys, Because I know I, I've done it before. And I know how hard it is to organise three bands together.
1: Callum's an absolute hero, eh? Mhm. How I many's Brian? Sean. Uh I don't know how much you know about them or how long you've known them or whatever but you've known like you know they've had the ride they've had in the past few years and whatever and like Callum used to be the booker at PJs and now he's working with Michael Ward e 6 and Callum is that guy he's he's the link between bands like myself who are in the toilet circuit and trying to fucking make a noise and get recognized he's the link between us and getting recognized as is you use like this is the, the 100%. Like, he's invaluable. And sometimes mm-hmm. I like, think he forgets that. I try, I try to touch it on it like i gig without being too sloppy, but I'm like, I don't think he knows his own worth there. Because the only reason we got that gig was for Callum, because it of through him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and that's, these are the steps you have to take. And then after that step, you go, how do we go up from here? Comes like, well, I can Kyle. I can the boys from Las Vegas. I can these guys. And then even when he starts getting a bit doing the dump, it's like, Callum, you're he's he's pushing the scene more than anything I've talked about. What I'm trying to do, yeah. he's heads and tails above in that kind of respect. And he's I ah, he's uh, he is. They're the new enemy, yeah. They're the new fucking. They're like music blogs and all that kind of kind like internet radio stations. They're that for gigs. They're yeah. that bridge between.
0: I mean, cause the music press has kind of died away now. As all kind of podcasts and stuff like that. That's
1: that's where you get your, your info aye and, it's, and that's done by people who love tunes like you're doing this because you love music yeah mm-hmm. and you're doing this because it's you and you want to share it out and it's for the right reasons and that's been lost eh? and I think people forget the importance of doing stuff like this you know what I mean yeah and I think people take it for granted and they goes. but well, this is what it's a pool, man. It's like a fucking, we're on the same pool, but like guys at like yourself and Callum are like high in that pool. And you need to realize that as well. But well, maybe you already do, but it's like, <laughs> but that's, but my point, my point is, dude, though, that's like the fucking, there needs to be people like, more people like you, there needs to be more people like me, and these people like Callum. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we're going to start a fucking rock and roll music. It all starts to start from underground. It's like going back to the 70s, huh? Eh? And the fucking sad thing is, social media, I hate it. I hate having to post videos and fucking... You get you get disheartened because you get, like, you put your heart and soul in the sun and you get fucking seven likes on fucking Facebook. Some mm. cunt takes a picture of a fucking baby in a first fucking banana and it gets 250 fucking likes. He goes, that not not on a fucking banana. I've worked on this for fucking 20 years and I've put my fucking heart and soul in it and nobody gives a fuck. Do you know what I well, mean? That, and that's, well, that's the it.
0: That was a question I was going to ask, actually. Like, see with your social media, how do you... Uh, do you feel you're good with your social media? Because I, I, struggle. I struggle to promote the podcast. I, I see when a, a new episode comes out, I'll maybe post it for two or three days and then I kind of... You get bored of it. You get bored of fucking posting the same shit. That's sort of fun. I wish I had somebody that could just run my social media for me.
1: Well, what I'd say is I always struggle because I always end up saying the cunt word and getting a 30 to you Your posts will be lower than your feed. I'm always on that vibe, eh? So <laughs> I'm already knocking myself out of the table because I'm always in trouble for Facebook. I'm always on a banners and, and I've realised that as well. It's becoming quite Nazi and free speech is disappearing for social media quite rapidly.
0: Yeah.
1: We need, we need a new MySpace.
0: We need yeah. something. I mean, well, that's, that's where it all kicked off, that was it the best wasn't my space.
1: ah you went in you could listen to your four tunes in the corner you'd have your bio there you'd have your friends you could connect you could talk and it was like it was more friendly for what we were trying to do and face, the problem is it's hard, it is hard because for example if you're a band you'll get judged on how many likes your band has on Facebook how many people like the post and you've got to sponsor your post so more people see it and you look at your interactions you'll see people listen for 30 seconds and it's a big drop off and this is why PR becomes important again with your podcast I think what it's about is not just you sharing it but the right people sharing it so for example mm-hmm. Danny, Pat, Bob I'm pulling you all up Paddington's I'm pulling you up too go, and when this goes out send a message go give this a share too. And I, think it's more, I think the most important, the only way you can utilise it is it's not for you to just be sharing it in loads groups, is it's to get the people who believe. And again, it goes back to the same thing. So when Dov does his one, I'll share it on the Fanger page, we will share it on the Barrel of Biscuit page, I'll share it on my page, trainer will share it on his page. And more people are doing it, that's when I think the reach becomes more important. And if you get blogs on your back, because I noticed there's like that uh, Indie Girls Dream, I think they're called. I noticed they've done like a, video padding things going, it was like it was like going back to the early 2000s it's like you should send them a message do you know what mm-hmm. I mean like we all have to, if we all pushed it if we all if we all have the same belief we're all trying to push the same thing we're all on the same page if we all start fucking sharing each other's fucking stuff man then yeah. it becomes beneficial and it's going to work but when you're doing it yourself it's like pissing in the window it does yeah. make you well, this I, it
0: can be a hard at it but that's that's why can of. Everybody sharing about advice, it
1: helps everybody. Aye, it's like Danny. He got uh, Gail Porter to share and the yeah. Mhm. Because he's going to talk Gail, eh? Right. Craig, Craig Bill for bill and biscuit, and then for Anger Records. All of goes goes brilliantly. Like. But see that morale boost? So it's like screenshot straight away up on the fucking Facebook, and it's like that. But it's like a credibility thing, eh? It's like. Gil Porter's sharing your fucking thing. And if you post that, people will pay more attention than if I post it myself. Yeah. Like, you're doing a Time for Heroes podcast, so say if fucking Gary Powell for Libertines, right? Mm-hmm. She had the post that you done, So i seen that you've done one with the books, the guy that wrote the Albertines book. Uh-huh. If Gary, if you, if Gary listened to that, because that was great, I'll share that on my page. That's going to help so much more than myself for you doing it. As far as I know with social media, I think that's, the, that's it's all, it's that Pat Lyons told me, this is why we're doing stuff through Creation G Machine now, and goes, put the logo on it, man, it's all cool, it's fine, we're working together, it's promo through association. For example, your podcast, of senior guests, they're quite high profile, really, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it's on, like, as a, as a high caliber of guests. So for myself to be on that, again, it's promo through association. It's like, Putting me up another stick because it's like associate me with the names that you've got on that, that list. Mm-hmm. So if you've got people do you know what I mean? The people that you admire the people up to sharing what you're doing, again, that's how it builds. Sorry, I'm rambling, but I've I, no, that's no, where I no.
0: do you know what? You're, you're talking to someone like to sense, so it's nice to have somebody else kinda to, to pack their brains on stuff like this as well. Um, but that's us. I mean, we we kinda covered everything that we we planned Apart Part the meals. Apart from the last bit, I is um, packing your heroes and what you're going to cook them.
1: So I'd I'm imagine you're
0: just going to, what are you going to, are you just going to give them like a, a bottle of tonic and a pint of Guinness?
1: No, so what I've done, is, you're nearly right, so what I've done is uh, again, because I'm a fucking non egotistical bastard, I've asked the rest of the band to answer this question for me, right? So I'm going to go back and WhatsApp. that? Mm-hmm. I've got some answers for you. Give me a second. Cool. Uh, uh, you're still there, I. Uh-huh. I'm in my WhatsApp, just in case it cut off. Right. So, not everyone answered. And there's even, so there's a guy called Joe. I need to give a big shout out to Joe Graham. All the music videos that we've ever put out has been this guy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Any footage for live gigs has been from this guy. And he's basically documenting everything that we're doing. Right. And he's just he's just been added in the chat today. And uh, he's a big part of what we're doing. Everything we were talking about, he's the dude who's filming it all hmm He's and he's done it all just for the fucking love and belief. When he's a great guy, right? Uh-huh. Well, I'll go for top. There are we. So I've asked them all the question. Dennis is the drummer. He said, Billy Connolly, Bill Barr, Patrice O'Neill, and Norman McDonald. Right. I only really know if Billy Connolly had that list, but he'd go, I'd make them spaghetti
0: bolognese. Uh-huh. Right. Andrew's. I think Bill Barber's like a comedian as well as
1: you know. I think. Well, De- Dennis is a comedian as well, but he's a <laughs> he's a he's, he crashed and burned. But I'll save that story for another day because uh, I don't want to ask him Stuart. But I as, the funniest story he's told me is a story about his comedy show failing. But and I'll leave that to him. But that will probably make sense. Patrice O'Neill, she sounds sexy, whoever she is. Yeah. And Norm Macdonald sounds made up. <laughs> but <laughs> he make them spaghetti bolognese. Fucking Andy, who's the ginger guitar player, uh-huh. great guy. She LaBeouf, and he'd make lamb chops. Uh, I didn't know who he was either, so I had to Google him. He's like cunt who's in Marvel stuff, but it turns out he's a bit of fucking wrong, and he's fighting demons and that, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh, Den says, better have mass totties with that later, or you'll get tanzarined. The reason he's saying tangerine is because the first night we played in Hull, second ever gig, I fell out with Slater and I rattled him across the face at three o'clock in the morning in the hostel at tangerine. And he goes to the gym about five times a week and he punched fuck at me and dislocated his shoulder. So it's became a runny joke, saying, I'll tangerine you and then I'll Slater you because I basically battered fuck at me for my tangerine. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Joe Graham, the video dude, goes, my hero is Lou Reed and I'm serving spicy Diavola pizza on the mild side with New York style crusts. Right. Dennis said, Is it not four heroes you have to invite? And I went, Aye, but it's gonna be a very big table if everyone invites four. Right. <laughs> Just, uh, right. And Duke, who's the other guitarist, mainly the lead metalhead, head, fucking reigned in. It's like having fucking Pelling goals kind of pissed. Was like, Harry, play the chords there, go wild there. You've done any solo for four minutes and see when he's telling that. And he gets it. Oh man, he's, he's brilliant. He didn't answer. So I don't know if this is from the horse's mouth or Dennis has made it up. But Duke is going for Leslie Grantham, who played dirty <laughs> Denny in Stenders. <laughs> 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 and a guy called Alan Nickel, who is one of the guys who frequented the pubs in Dunfermline. Um, right. He's just a bit fucking. Forget- I'm not gonna bad with it, but he's just It's uh, a character from Dunfermline, and there's a running joke. But Alan Nickel from Dunfermline, no significance. Uh, and he's going to cook them um, McCain oven chips with fish fingers, waffles and beans. Oh, that's I'm nice. going. To, I'm going with Nigel Lawson. I'm going straight to dessert. <laughs> 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 and uh, just on that note, just not long after I said this, the fucking twisty wheel of fate, uh, Nana's fannies from uh, Butter Market started falling on us just after that, just after talking about Nigel Lawson. Mm-hmm. some fucking caster sugar dessert and hey uh, Nana's Fanny's followed us just after that I was like the a fucking strange place uh, sometimes <laughs> it's like you think you've got just look, just wait for that moment mate, to prove that you're in the matrix you go that's fucking too coincidental eh? <laughs> but, aye <laughs> oh and Dennis also said mind mention that I'm raw as fuck right
0: so, we'll mention that then
1: but, uh, mate it's been an absolute fucking pleasure I hope I've not waffled too much to you man
0: no you've been brilliant you've been brilliant it's, that, that's been one of my best episodes man I've really liked this um Good. if it's um you've talked a lot of sense about kinda of, the music industry and what we need to do, so yeah. I, I think this I will get big lights. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes Podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page Time for Heroes Podcast. Or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can share with others, and more importantly, enjoy.